0: Friends, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be one of the pastors at our church. I also want to greet those of you who are with us online or who will experience this message later this week on our website or on our podcast. I hope you had some happy ho-ho holidays, Uh, but they're over. Now it's back to the grind, and it's going to snow, and your children may have a snow day on Tuesday. Oh. Oh. I'm just gonna stick to the script here. <laughs> it's back to back to reality, right? When I was a kid, I loved Legos, and I remember my friends made fun of me in eighth grade because I still had all my Lego sets up. So I'm here to say, first of all, students, just enjoy what you enjoy. Just go. I, I read a study that said over like a ten-year period, Legos weren't a better investment than gold. Have you ever heard? Just go look it up. It's true. So if you like Legos, let your Lego light shine, man. Don't hide it under a bush. Uh, And so now that I'm an adult, I I don't get to build all the Legos, but I do get to do them with my son, uh, especially. He likes them too. And so my son Aaron and I, he's nine, uh, we love to do these together. This winter, we assembled the Disney Castle. Over 4,000 pieces. Be impressed. It's huge, right? And on first, on first glance, it's is that, oh, man, it's kind of intimidating. Like, look at all those little intricate pieces. Actually, it's not intimidating at all because the instructions are pictures. And there wasn't one instruction booklet. There were three. And every single step had a picture and a diagram. And then beyond that, the pieces are divided up into these little bags so you don't even have to wonder, you don't have to search through 4,000 of them. The instructions tell you, open up bag number one. Oh, I, I can do that. Find this piece, I can do that. And so I don't wanna you know, get too psychological or philosophical about Legos here, but it's actually kind of therapeutic for me. Anybody ever heard of decision fatigue, right? Where you just, you got so much coming at you, you just don't wanna make any more decisions. Like you're gonna have a breakdown in the price chopper aisle because you don't know which dish soap you're gonna buy. It's like too, too many choices, Too many decisions every day. Lego is the opposite, man. You know exactly what to do next. And I find that very comforting. Follow the illustrated instructions. Find the piece I need from the meticulously numbered bags. Repeat until complete. Never have to wonder about what's next. Does anybody else wish that life worked that way also? Ah, if only it did. So in this series, What's Next? We're gonna be exploring the space between what has been and what is to come. Life is not often linear, meaning it doesn't just go at the same pace and progress at the same rate. Life is more often liminal, and that's not a word I use to try and impress you. Liminal is a word uh, that means we can only perceive things in a limited capacity. Life doesn't often go in our preferred orderly fashion. Now, sometimes that happens involuntarily. Maybe there's a diagnosis or a breakup, a move, a death, a layoff. Sometimes we make choices to end one season and start another one, even if we don't know quite what it looks like. Sometimes we actually do that voluntarily. Sometimes we're just bored or lonely or tired or angry or hurt. So as we begin the new year, it's a great time to reflect and reset. And so I wonder, wherever it is you find yourself, what is next for your spiritual life in 2024? We're going to be exploring all kinds of topics. What's next after uh, after loss? What's next after uh, career change? What's next after these different milestones in life? And today, our our subject is what's next in your spiritual life? As we start 2024 and study God's Word, what I hope will stick with you this week is that to discover what's next, trust in God now. Our scripture today that we're going to read from is a Hall of Fame Bible verse. It's from the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is a collection of of these wise sayings, and they're attributed to King Solomon, one of Israel's kings, and he was renowned for his wisdom. God had told Solomon, whatever it is you ask for, I will grant it, and Solomon says, give me wisdom to lead your people well, and so a lot of the Proverbs are addressed to Solomon's children, And, and these wisdom sayings have stood the test of time for thousands of years, And Proverbs 3, the verses we're going to read uh, right now, is is one of the most beloved. So here we go. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I'm going to read that again in a different translation. This was the New International Version. Now I want to read to you the New Living Translation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, every translation of the Bible we read is an interpretation. To, to take things from Greek or Hebrew into English, you have to make some decisions. And some translations, try and stick closer to the more technical uh, aspects of the text, even if that makes it a little harder to read. While other translations, they do still seek to remain faithful to the origin and the meaning of the text, but with an eye towards readability. And so scripture is like a gem that's multifaceted. So if you're ever studying the Bible, it's actually a pretty good practice to read multiple different translations. Uh, And and sometimes it's interesting what might stick out to you uh, as you read them in in different ways. So I decided this morning, I'm going to take our scripture and I'm going to bundle it. I'm gonna combine the two translations into one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. And so I wanna zoom in to the verbs that are in these verses. Trust, lean, and seek. Two of them I think are interrelated and the third one is a result of the first two. And the first verb we read is trust. That was translated both the same in the NIV and the NLT, and it comes from the Hebrew word beta. The sense is to have faith, to be sure of, to rely on, to be full of confidence. Typically, the more we know someone, the more we determine their trustworthiness. right? Like I bought a car from my neighbor, Tommy, because I know him, I trust him. Shout out to Petta John Otto in Bethany, Missouri. I get barbecue tips from my man, Keith, who's running all the tech stuff in here all the time, because I know Keith, I've had his cooking, and so I trust what he says. The more we know God, the more we trust God. So then the question becomes, well, how do we get to know God more? More on that later. Proverbs tells us to lean not on our own understanding. That's the second verb that we read. Or in the NLT, do not depend on your own understanding. In Hebrew, the word translated for lean or depend is tisa'in, in the sense is to be supported by, to trust in with confidence, the same way you would like lean on a crutch or something. Now we can see how trust and lean are, are related. They're similar concepts. We're instructed not to lean on our own understanding. Now I don't think that means we disregard all human wisdom. The ability to think and, and to reason, those are gifts, given, gifts and abilities given to us by God. I think what this means is that there are limits to human wisdom and perception. Like a lot of times we will perceive and consider things that are favorable to us. Our perspective is usually pretty self-serving. So like the things I like to lean on are things like familiarity, certainty, ease. These are a few, things that are generally known and comfortable, I like all that. But when we trust God, we can lean into uncertainty. We can overcome obstacles and opposition. And we, we come to a faith that God is more than sturdy enough to lean on. When I read the Proverb, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the action words stick out to me. And the third one that we read is trust, excuse me, they were trust in the Lord, lean not on their understanding. And the third one is seek his will in all you do. The NLT seek is translated from the Hebrew da'ehu, which means to notice, to recognize To look for God's will in all that we do. Now to me that begs the question, what are you looking for? I think this is the key to trusting God and leaning not on our own understanding. Like it's well documented how often New Year's resolutions fail. Like I won't ask you to raise your hands, but some of us haven't even survived the week. I'm already doubling, I had to double up on my Bible in a Year podcast once already. New Year's is a great time to reflect and to reset, to make a resolution it's also a great time to accept God's invitation, which is a different deal altogether. That in 2024, we might trust in God more, lean on our own understanding less, and seek God's will in all that we do. So whatever's next for you spiritually, this is the path. Trust, lean, and seek. I think one of the best things our church can do is to help people make progress on that path. It's essential to our vision of being a community of unlikely friends following Jesus together. There's some key words in there. You could have a sermon on each of them. But I think sometimes we can make the mistake that seeking God's will is an individual activity. It's not. Founder of Methodism, John Wesley, said The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Woo! This ain't a solo sport. It's a priority for our church to help people grow in faith together. Now, we can measure lots of things around the church pretty easily worship, attendance, giving, and participation in our ministries. I like counting stuff. I don't know if you, if you saw the video as we began worship. You know what I like counting? $26,000 given to our Haitian students during Christmas Eve. Amen. There we go. I was hoping somebody say something. Don't make me beg. I love counting that stuff. Yeah, let's go ahead. I love counting 44 students that are going to be supported another year. It's vital. I love counting Christmas attendance. Anybody want to take a guess at, between online, in person, and at our Blue Christmas service, how many folks that was December 21st and then December 24th? How about 1,275? Is that a good number? I like counting that number. That's like one out of ten people in Carney. Think about that. It's true. So I love counting stuff, especially when it's good. But do those things measure what truly counts the most? They give us a good picture, maybe not a complete one. What we really want to measure is the differences that our ministries are making. Yeah, we had a ton of people roll through here for Christmas Eve. Chairs to the wall but what's next what we want to do is try and measure not just the outputs or the results of the ministries like in participation we also want to try and measure the outcomes what difference are they making the difference between outputs and outcomes 80,000 people will show up to a football game what was the outcome of the game are we are we growing closer to god So this fall, our leadership team designed a survey to try and get our arms around this concept. This mission we say we have, are our ministries actually accomplishing this? You wanna see some of the results? Hope so, because they're on the next slide. (laughs) (laughs) We had 254 responses, which we thought was was great. And that's statistically significant. That's about 40% of a good Sunday uh, attendance for us. So here's some demographic data. Here's the distribution of the ages of people who responded to the survey. This next slide is how often people attend, whether that's weekly or various measurements of time. Now beyond these basic demographics of participation, we also wanted to measure something maybe a little more meaningful. One of the things we asked is, do you have at least one close friend that you can celebrate with or rely on in a crisis? So here's where we start to see, okay, this, this, all this effort we put into helping build this framework of relationships, this community of unlikely friends, is it actually working? Like I could talk to you all day. I could talk to you until kickoff at 325 about the theology of meeting in groups. And I'm still going to talk to you about it a little bit. But, but in a very practical sense, we can have all these groups. I'm about to show you the website and do all that. Does it matter? When life hits the fan, has it made a difference? We want to measure it. We want to take a look under the hood and see does it really matter? Like, if our groups aren't helping people grow in faith, and, and one of the ways we're going to define that is to have people they can rely on and celebrate with, what's the point? It's just information, man. You can get that on a blog. Subscribe to the newsletter if you want information. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's what we want to be about in these groups, to help people grow together in faith. Like the book of Hebrews says, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so this is something we want to measure continually and strive for all the time. We're going to do this survey twice a year. That's something we've committed to. In my experience, once you make it into the inner circle of a church, man, nothing's better. In the month of December, I had gifts waiting for me on my desk every week. We had to like put signs up to try and get other people to eat all of the things presented to the staff. It was, it was amazing. I'm also aware not everybody makes it into the inner circle of a church. And then it can be, it can be hard. I'm also aware not everybody may want to. Or they may want to, but they can't for a variety of reasons. So we want to measure this as well. Another question in our survey was asking, have you participated in group life? And we were at 36% participation. And we think that's a very healthy start. Now, what's interesting is, when you look at the folks who say they have meaningful relationships at church, people who participate regularly in group life report having a close friend at church at a rate greater than 10% than those who don't. Now that could look a lot of different ways to join a group, to take a step spiritually in 2024. If you go to carneychurch groups, you're gonna see a whole slate of these things. And we've got kind of different, different categories because we don't think it's a one size fits all. So we have study groups where it's, around, it's about gathering around biblical content. We have affinity groups that gather around a common interest. Uh, we had a Monday Night Football group that just got done with Monday Night Football. We've got a pickleball group going right now. There's Knit and Crochet. They're all on the website. There's community groups that center on building friendships that help you grow spiritually. And there's support groups to help folks find healing. Now, the other thing is, if, if, if you as you look through this menu of groups, if you're not seeing anything that, that, that fits for you or even better, if you've got a spark of an idea for a group, That's how all these groups start. That's all the best groups start. Not from what the pastors come up with, but but that that's a Keith move. I don't know if he saw me doing that. You can get that from him after the service. You can see the the better one. That's how our best groups start. Someone has an idea. And we simply say, How can we help? And so even if you don't see something on there for you, we want to know that too, especially if you want to help. Other someone's have a thing too. And so in February and March, I took this screenshot because if you're looking for a place to start, this Practicing the Way study group is what I want to highlight. Now, I, can, I don't have time to highlight each of these groups, so I'm just going to do mine because it's my sermon. <laughs> I don't know if that'd be funny or not. Uh, if you're like, where do I start? We're going to do a sermon series based on this book in February and March. And so I'd encourage you, whether you can join a group or not, to grab the book. It's called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. The book comes out January 16th, so I hope it's good. Uh, But we've done one of his books before, and it it was just really uh, impactful. So this is where we're going in February and March. We're going to start in mid-February, and we're going to be done before spring break. And we're going to organize these groups around helping us develop these spiritual practices to take a step spiritually in 2024. And so the series and these groups are gonna be designed to help get you started or to help keep you going if you've already been doing this for a while. That's the other thing. If you've been part of one of these groups, if you're part of that percentage, man, keep, keep doing it. So what does your next step look like spiritually? Now, the irony of preaching about this stuff is I'm talking to you in worship. I think, my, my assumption is you're here because you want to trust in the Lord with all your heart. My guess is you're here because you don't want to lean just on your own understanding and that you're here because you do want to see God's will in all you do. Worship is an essential foundation. That's one of the main ways we know and experience God. But it isn't the only way. Worship's a big one. uh, But before we get get into uh, what what I want to finish with here, I I do want to clarify my intentions in this message. Friends, I'm not here to guilt you into some religious resolution that won't last the week. That's not what I'm here to do. Jesus once told religious authorities that they load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Friends, I'm not here to burden you. I'm trying to offer you some numbered Lego bags. I'm trying to give you a place to start. That in 2024, you could take a spiritual step. Friends, as your pastor, I consider it my duty to warn us that if we think coming to worship eight times a year in 2024 will sustain your spiritual life, I'm sorry to tell you, it will not. Whatever baggage you had in 2023, it didn't go poof just because the calendar turned over. It's waiting for us when we walk out those doors. Y'all, it's an election year. Buckle up, who's ready to buckle up? Just go in a hole for six months so you don't see all the ads. How are we gonna sustain our spiritual life in the midst of the onslaught from the world? I can speak every week about some terrible thing that happened nationally or some challenge that we face individually in our own lives. How will you put yourself in a position to grow in 2024? How can you grow in trusting the Lord with all your heart? Friends, to discover what's next, trust in God now. Trust that God will honor your intentionality in creating time and space to grow, and that in doing so, he will show you which path to take. Because to discover what's next in your spiritual life, that's gonna take some intentionality and some dedication. If we want to seek God's will for what's next for us spiritually in 2024, I don't think the biggest obstacle is a lack of time. I don't know about you, but my phone gives me a report of its screen time once a week, usually when I'm here. Anybody else get that notification in the last half hour? I got one while Mitch was praying for offering on my on my iPad, and I'm I'm like trying to dismiss that thing as much as possible because it's shameful. I don't want to see that. I turned it off. I don't need to be thinking about that at nine in the morning at church. And so I'm not sure we can always say, "Man, I just don't have the time." Like there's a there's a daily game that I play, and it's called Immaculate Grid, and it's this. Uh, This game where you you think of, okay, who's a player that's been on both the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way, obviously. He's a great answer for a ton of these because he also works for the Texans. Somebody knew that. And so I I spend like, I don't know, probably 12 minutes a day thinking of old NFL players. And Sarah will be like, hey, what are you thinking about? I'll be like, mm, nothing. (laughs) In fact, this is yesterday's, and it made me really sad. I'll let you determine why. Oh. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you think I'm a dork for thinking of football players in my spare time. I don't know what your equivalent is. Maybe it's Sudoku or Candy Crush or Royal Match. That's my daughter's latest favorite. And I see how much screen time she's doing it, by the way. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing with any of these. But then, can we really say we don't have time to invest in our spiritual growth? We cannot. No, the biggest obstacle is not lack of time, it's lack of desire. That we need the Holy Spirit to give us the desire to seek God's will in all that we do. We need the desire that the Holy Spirit can spark to lean not on our own understanding. We need God's help to help us push through the fears of, man, I've never done this before. Or, ah, this seems really intense. Or, I won't know anybody. Or, I tried this once 10 years ago. We need to give God the opportunity to show us which path to take. I think there's a lot of ways to do that, and I've tried to give you a few. Sign up to be a part of a group. Follow along with our our sermon series on spiritual practices in February and March. Now, the good news is I believe when we offer God our availability and our desire to lean on him, we discover that God isn't out to trick us. Now, watch this. There isn't just one way to grow spiritually. I think it's kind of like a three-in-one Lego set. See how I bookmarked Or. Book ended the sermon with the Lego metaphor. We have Kleenexes in the front. <laughs> Man, it's the spiritual life's like this Lego set. Yeah, you can build the ship, but you can also build the little pirate cove or the bodega the Blackbeard Bodega or whatever this thing is down here. I have some good alliteration off all the top of my head. almost worth the word booty in there, but I'll say that. This goes on the internet. Man, you can can get the same set of Legos and do a bunch of stuff with it. I think that's kind of how spiritual growth is. There's not just one way to do it. And so I'd encourage you to be intentional about your next spiritual step in 2024 so that God will reveal your path. And that, as Isaiah 30 says, whether you turn to the left or the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. May you trust the Lord with all your heart in 2024. And everybody said. Amen, let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, uh, for this community of faith. We thank you for uh, those Haitian students which certainly count in every meaningful way. We know they count in your eyes and they count in ours. We thank you for the generosity that was shown. We thank you for uh, the ability to have an impact not just around the globe, but also here in, in this community, in our little corner of Clay County. And God, as we count all these things, we dedicate them to you and we ask that you would help guide us on what counts the most. That we would look inward and decide what can we do with intention to help us trust you more, lean on us less and seek your will in all that we do. God, we need you, we love you and we trust you. Amen.